Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Strive to Fi podcast. Got a very special guest on today, someone I've been looking forward to talking to for a while. We have Connor from Foundered. Coming hey, at how's us. Going, Joseph? Oh, sorry. <laughs> hey, all good, man. I'm uh, doing pretty well. How are you doing today? Doing the very best. Yeah, thanks very much for having me on the podcast. I'm delighted to be here. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. Perfect. Perfect. Well, look, um, I'm a big fan of the show. I'm a big fan of yours. We've, you're one of the very first people to welcome me into the personal finance community online. Um, so I, I'm just delighted to be here and I look forward to, to finding out a bit more and sharing a bit more of my story too. So thank you. Hey, absolutely. Um, always thankful to have another member of the community, especially someone who's obviously put in the work. I mean, I guess let's just dive into it. You fired at 40, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I fired at 40 uh, in December, the 1st of December there last year. So um, not to date the podcast, but we're we're in March of this year. So I'm four months nearly into my early retirement. And yeah, it's going great. It's going really well. I'm enjoying it. So I guess, you know, four months in, what does early retirement look like so far? Uh, a reprioritization, probably. So I know we'll chat about this in great depth, but I'm, I, I come from a business background. So the last 13 or 14 years I've spent starting, building, growing, and ultimately exiting my business and everything else took a backseat. Family, friends, relationships, my health and fitness, all that stuff. So right now it's reprioritizing and getting back to the things that matter. So taking my daughter to school, going on lots of trips and holidays, and just being present in the house. Yeah, things like that. So wholesome more than anything. Absolutely. And I think that's something we're all striving for. So I guess on that subject, you know, you brought it up reprioritization. Um, when you were when you were working, were you all in 40 hours, more than 40 hours? Uh, I wrote an article a while back and it was uh, about the 80 hour work week. And yeah. To be honest, I worked extensively. So, you know, the first few years of business, you work 16, 18, 20 hour days because that's what it takes. Um, I would have been the person not getting up at 5 a.m., but getting up at half three in the morning because again, I thought that's what it took. And after looking back at that, getting up at half three in the morning was actually probably a stress related thing rather than, you know, being productive. But yeah, I worked all the hours, Christmas Day, all those things, you know, writing blog articles on a Christmas morning because, well, I had no kids. So Christmas morning was just another day. So yeah, I put the effort in is what I would say. I want to say something, but but the truth is last year I woke up early on Christmas Eve to uh, finish putting <laughs> floors in our rental house. So, or what is yeah. going to be our rental house, let me say. Look, there's a time and a place for working and there's a time and a place for not working and Christmas morning's probably not the time, um, but everybody else was in bed. So I, you know, I fired up the laptop and did a few articles <laughs> and only only the ones, only the ones. And I, again, I want to say something, but uh, truthfully, you're in good company. I know I'm guilty of the same, but I think just about every entrepreneur I've had on the podcast has said something similar. Uh, I mean, going back a few episodes ago, Alexis Kingsbury even talked about how his wife almost left him because he was bringing the laptop to bed. Oh, I draw the line to bring it. <laughs> that that's commitment. And, and to be honest, you know, when whenever you're working, it is all-consuming, and you really want to put the effort in. And if you can put the effort in nine to five and achieve everything you want to achieve, fantastic. Or if you can't, then you need to work those extra hours. Also, uh, looking back. Though, would I change things? Yes, absolutely. I'd probably take things a little bit slower and 
but I wouldn't be here now talking to you if it did so. <laughs> so it's a, it's a, a poison or it's a double-edged sword, that, I guess. It it really is. And I, I guess hindsight really is always twenty twenty. Go Going into that, you know, just to, I guess, you know, let's build a little credibility here. Cool. You were working yes. and I know your average nine to five employer wouldn't really ask you, hopefully, a whole lot outside of nine to five. So you are an entrepreneur. You had your own firm going, correct? That's correct. Yeah. So I started my own business in the bedroom that I'm talking to now uh, in 2009, which was in the middle of the, the previous financial crisis. Um, I was told that I was crazy to start a business during that time. But it's if you've known me my, my entire life, starting a business is always something that I've wanted to do. I've always been or had an entrepreneur's mindset. Um, while this was my first venture in the business, I knew I was going to do it eventually. So in 2009, I started a printing company. Um, now, printing back then was leaflets and flyers, and now it's it, it, the business is much more than that. It's, it's considerably bigger than that. And we did very well. We looked after all the nightclubs in, in Belfast and here in Northern Ireland, where I'm from, and the business grew from there onwards. Uh, about five years in then, we started a branding and design agency um, working with quite sizable companies, um, international, national, and, and local companies. And following that, we started a digital agency working with web development and things like that. Um, I exited the business in 2020, mid-pandemic, um, very successfully exited it. I'm very happy to do so. And the, you guys that have taken it over are now running that in my, my absence and doing a fantastic job. So I left the company with about 40 staff. We were doing significant sums of, of turnover in high Actually, can you edit that bit out? Because I'm contractually obliged not to say that. <laughs> yes, that would get me in trouble. Um, we'll just bleep it. Yeah, bleep it out. We, we do quite a, a good turnover and we're an international business. And the business flourished during the pandemic. And it flourished during the pandemic because we were able to pivot and change pretty quickly um, and, and support that business. And that's why ultimately we were an attractive purchase for the the new owners and I was able to exit. So then let me ask this, were you planning to exit or did it just happen to work out? I think every entrepreneur wants the dream of exiting their business. And the way I always describe an exit is building a business that's perfect for sale is the same as building a good business. And the opportunity just arose. We were not for sale, it was not something we were planning to do so, um, to do. But we put ourselves in a position where we were known to the mergers and acquisitions companies. We were known in that finance arena in Northern Ireland. And so when somebody was looking for a business like ours, we were the first people that were, were the door was knocked upon. Um, and then it was just a conversation. And it, it took about two years from initial conversation to purchase. So it wasn't something that was just um, an overnight sale. But um, whenever the time arose that they, they spoke to us, we decided that yeah, this, is, this is something to explore. And if it didn't work out, it didn't work out. But we were, were very happy to have the conversation. And ultimately, it, it worked out for us all. Hey, glad to hear. I mean, hey, it got you here. It got you financially free. So I would agree. <laughs> yes and no. Um, I was five before we sold. I see that on your site. More five <laughs> after. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, like all the principles of financial independence and, and that saving a high income or a high percentage of your income over a long period of time, that got me to financial independence. 
the seal just added a bit of you know cream on top or a cherry on top um so would i be fine without the seal absolutely but it's nicer with it i mean hey if somebody offered me a lump sum of cash uh, i wouldn't turn it down <laughs> no uh, of course of course nobody would i'm not quite at fi yet but uh, a few million might might get me there pretty quick <laughs> i gotta say when, when i heard you it's gonna kill me i don't remember the name of the last podcast you were on when we started talking um it was up the games by sammy ellard king in london i need to reach out to him i've actually never met him before that um we i think we just followed each other on twitter but i was listening to that and i heard that story and i'm like oh yeah i need to talk to this guy connor because i'm like wow i started a digital agency about a year ago with the plan to one day exit and fi here i have somebody who did it who knows how how long before i'm gonna do it well look there's no better agency to start with your background and skill set and the, the knowledge that you're trying to grow and because of the nature of the services that you sell and the products that you can sell in a digital agency that's where many businesses want to be in the market space so you know every there are lots of exits happening in this arena especially here in the uk anyway i'm gonna do a quick personal shill hey by the time this goes live we're hiring <laughs> fantastic that's great to hear <laughs> I, th this episode is sponsored by me um we're hiring jaguardigitalagency.com i'll link it down in the description if i remember maybe what type of role are you hiring for uh primarily right now sales Okay. Depending on when you listen to this, though, we do have some full-time W-2 positions opening up for U.S.-based people, primarily website uh, development and social media content creation. Do you want me to go ahead and ask more questions about that? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, I've got a whole other thing about that coming. Probably, I, I want to. I really want to do a YouTube video about it very soon because awesome. it's it's growing and it's it's... You know what? Actually, this is coming out in April. Check me out on TikTok. I've got a short series going on it right now. Very good. Very good. I'm delighted to hear that. That's excellent that you're planning for growth. Hey, that actually, you know what? Hey, you're here. Let's talk about it. Pointing for growth. That's a great <laughs> point. So you started an agency and all and sold it within 11 years. And I understand that's, you know, 11 years, that's, that's a good amount of time. Mm -hmm. um, but still 11 years, that's in terms of in the entrepreneurial world from zero. To Sammy bleep that out. Thank uh, okay. From to a sizable sum of money, I would assume because you haven't told me, um, that's a pretty quick turnaround. Yeah, like somebody said, it's, you know, it takes 10 years to become an overnight success. <laughs> and I fully agree with that. You know, there's no overnight success. It takes time and dedication and 10 years is a nice, lovely thing, round sum of, of time to achieve that in. So if we had have continued our business growth and the trajectory that we were on, we'd have done greater things but was i willing to put the time and effort in for another 10 years to do so probably not and you know we're talking about planning for growth here as well i'm a salesperson i'm not a designer i'm not a, i have i have a degree in computing but i'm not a developer so what i i actually it was quite funny because whenever i retired i said i would teach myself python and i created my first script and realized exactly why i went into sales about two seconds after that because it's just I have admiration for any developers that are listening because I understand the challenges that you face and you guys have a, a very good skill set whereas my skills are selling. I can sell like, I don't know, can we curse in this podcast? You wouldn't be the first. Okay, I sell like fuck. Yeah, so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, because that's what was drilled into me. That's what I've always known. So when you say you're hiring for, uh, you know, for sales team there, I love that because, well, sales drive the business they drive the growth and they you know and we have always been focused on 
growing the business. So while 11 years from in, from starting the business to initial conversation about selling the business it isn't a huge amount of time, that was 11 years of consistent focus on selling and growing the business. And I'm not the smartest person in the room. I'll not be the, the most attractive person in the room, but I tell you what, I have one of the best work ethics you'll ever find. And that's not just me, that's my brother as well, who was a partner in the business. So we worked together and we worked collectively and we, we drove each other forward to really grow and to achieve what we did. So we're, we're delighted, both of us. And he's still in the business today. We can edit this out if you don't want to answer this, but out of curiosity, your brother, is he still in by choice or? Yeah, so he, he's completely in by choice. Um, he wants, he does a number of things outside of the business. He's in property development, um, both short-term rentals and and birds, essentially. Um, so I actually don't know what the acronym, I know it's a bird and there's an extra R in the end, but I'm not yeah. exactly sure. It's renovator, refurbished and all that good stuff. Um, so he does all that, but for him, he wasn't, just finished in the business yet he, there's more for him to give and he wants to achieve more things with the business and the funding and the, the growth that were planned in it so he decided to stay in for a bit longer for me it was the right time to exit it's no longer my business and while i treated it and always treated it and worked in it like it was my own i had to be mindful that it wasn't my name above the door anymore hey i mean respect i i think that's the best thing in my opinion for everyone i've talked to it's the best thing you can do is Realize when it's not your time anymore. Yeah. Realize when you, you've given all you can and it's time to move on to bigger, better things. And for a lot of entrepreneurs, they never get the opportunity to realize that. They're stuck in the business that they have built and there's nowhere else for them to go because, pardon me, at that time, nobody wants to buy it from them. Whereas we were very fortunate that, you know, we were in a good position. We were in a very good position of strength and they, they chose that they want, they came and spoke to us. So it just worked out well. Hey, I mean, I, I think you know, that's another thing is, take the opportunities where they are. Yeah, yeah. there may never be another time for us to sell that business or, and we, we, we got out right at the right time from our perspective, we were making good money and the customer or the, the, the purchaser bought a good business as well. So I want to step back. You mentioned that your degree and background was in computing. Yes. How did you stumble into personal finance? An internet search. <laughs> <laughs> I googled it um, I, so the business was doing quite well um, for a couple of years it was launched in 2009 and I actually remember the search being something along the lines of how to save for retirement, how to retire early. And at that time, I think the first site that I stumbled upon was uh, Early Early Retirement Extreme, which is Jacob Lund Fisker's website. Is this new to you, Joseph? I have never heard of him, no. Oh my goodness, right. So Jacob Lund Fisker um, is one of the OGs of personal finance. He lived on $7,000 per year. He took frugality to the extreme. And I realized after reading that site that that probably wasn't going to be for me. But at that point, I also stumbled upon Mr. Money Mustache. The, there, that yeah. one I got. I love him. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jacob Lund Fisker's site um, predates Mr. Money Mustache by a few years, actually. And he has a book out as well. Um, but Mr. Money Mustache, um, obviously, I like everybody does, I think you have to read every article within the weekend. And I sat up through the night and I'll credit him. I actually sent him a message one time to say that he changed my life and changed the trajectory of my life. Um, 
and it's the simple math behind or the, uh, the shockingly simple math behind early retirement. That article um, and understanding how saving rates can contribute to the length of time that you retire and or the length of time it takes for you to be able to retire and also understanding that retirement isn't an age but it's a number or the two facts that I took away from that weekend and they have literally changed everything from there on in. Hey, I mean, think he changed a lot of things for a lot of people to say the least. I he's yes. I've heard somebody describe him recently as the Dave Ramsey of the fire community. Yeah. Yeah. I personally I would agree. <laughs> that I mean, he's how I found this as well. So mm-hmm. and I, I know a lot of other people are in very, very similar boats. Yeah, like I, his website for me, it was a lot easier to read back then because it was less articles. Um, this is in 2011, 2012, um, but still there maybe 40 or 50 articles that I read over the weekend and it shaped the last 13, 14, 15 years of, of my life then. Um, and honestly, the things that he wrote online are still valid today. And people, you know, if people just spend less, earn more and invest everything in between it kind of works i i mean that that's the basic of personal finance by far yeah don't and, make it complicated at all and i mean I, I guess a little on topic off topic here I, i've been ranting about this a little bit lately whether the podcast youtube whatever that a lot of personal finance info is is basic whatever site you get on it's gonna tell you to budget invest save don't spend whatever and the more and more i think about it i'm like well what else is there to say because that, that's I, that's a great point. And I probably say the same thing in every article that I ever write or every video that ever that I ever put out there. But the understanding of the person who's viewing that or reading that, they have different viewpoints. They may have a different circumstance. Everybody has different circumstances. They may be reading it with, you know, a different view. And so you're saying the same thing differently to attract more of a, a wider audience and, and not just to attract the audience, but help them understand. Because while it is basic advice for you and I, we live this and breathe this every single day. The majority of people are are less educated in personal finance. In fact, you know, it, it, it's crazy that financial literacy is so far down the pecking order. It's not taught in schools here. I assume it's not taught in schools there. It is not. You have to learn that for yourself. and. For the majority of the population in, in both countries, and this is no, I'm not trying to diss on anyone, but people think that they stop learning after school. As soon as you know college or university is finished, they need, no longer need to learn. And that's the, the mass population. There are other people who choose to continue to learn and become lifelong learners and, and read and educate themselves, even if it is you know, informational um, as well as educational, they're still doing so, but the majority of people don't. And that's that area there is so wide and so broad that you can say the same thing in any infinite number of ways and still you're not going to target everyone. I mean, hey, phenomenal point. I absolutely completely agree because like you said, there's there's 101 million and one even different walks of life. So kind of on that topic, we touched about this when we were, we were first talking. There are some differences between the advice, you know, you would give and I would give and that's just I guess I'm saying that UK personal finance and US personal finance, the budget probably looks the same, but I read some of your uh, your articles and I've been reading your blog for a while, as you know, and you'll throw out a term every now that I've got to Google. And we go back to like July and you have July 15th, 2022. I have your site pulled up. What is a SIP? I don't know. 
<laughs> and I had to I had to Google that. I realized that's just not relevant to me. Yeah, so uh, a SIP here is, is a pension, and I think on your side of the water it's a four hundred one k. Yes, sir. However, we we have um, two types of pension here. We have the government pension, which is which is a workplace pension, so the government mandated pension where every employer must provide a pension for every employee unless they opt out of it. So that is mandatory. Um, they also have to contribute a certain level of your salary. So a percentage, I think it's about 3% or 4%. They have to do that and it's mandatory, again, unless you opt out of it. And you also have to contribute to that pension. So it's fantastic that it's forcing people to, to, to invest for their future and they have to opt out of it. Now, the, the choices of investment funds, you and I may look at those and go, oh, oh dear, they're probably not the most optimized. Um, and as a previous employer, I spent quite a bit of time trying to ensure that I was putting our team's money into a fund that was aligned with you know, the majority of the values that you and I would have, low cost, uh, you know, low fees, things like that. In terms of how they choose to invest it, they have very um, truncated or, or shortened versions of what we would look in terms of investment funds. It's is it a high risk, low risk or medium risk as opposed to all the things that we would look for in an investment fund. Um, the other side of that is a SIP. So if you're an entrepreneur, a business owner, or you do not you do opt out of your workplace pension, you might want a self-invested personal pension. And that is what as I as a, an owner or business owner or an entrepreneur, put my money into because it gives me all the flexibility to invest in any number of index funds and I'm a big fan of Vanguard um, so it allowed me the opportunity to put money into Vanguard funds. I think that's the uh, that's the money Twitter the online financial whatever you want to call us influencer motto we love Vanguard. Yeah we do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can get not investment advice but I can buy the entire total US stock market for 0.05% a year Sign me up. Yeah. Thanks, thanks, VTI. <laughs> <laughs> well, our funds over here are slightly different. We have a series called the the Life Strategy um, Funds, the Vanguard Life Strategy Funds, and they um, are they're fantastic. They're somewhat similar, but they're UK bias um, as opposed to US, and they do still buy parts of the the funds from America as well. So no, it's you know you can't really go wrong with Vanguard without. You know, and I can't give investment advice either. <laughs> um, but certainly that's where I put my money. So, and also stepping back, when we're talking SIPs, uh, for our American listeners, which actually, fun fact, our largest country of listeners is Belgium. Just Congratulations. I don't, I don't know anyone in Belgium, <laughs> but whoever you are, thank you. Uh, American SIP, self-employed, I guess the U.S. equivalent of that would be kind of like a SEP IRA. Uh, and you mentioned, of course, 401ks. And you said government mandated. Wow, I I didn't know that. I'm over here gonna. I'm just gonna cry an American for a minute. Yeah, like uh, it, it's very small percentage, and it is only has only happened a few years back. But if you're contributing four percent, and your employer is forced to contribute four or five percent, well, you know there's nine or ten percent that you could easily have that's... in your pension each year. That's that's an, you know that's a really good starting point. I don't know if you're like me. I like a lot more going into my pensions or my investment accounts each year. And, and to just even step back on that, one year I put 80% of my income away for my my personal finance goals, my financial independence goals, because, well, I didn't let lifestyle inflate with my income, um, but 10% 
as a starting point. You know, if most people did that, they'd be in a, a very different financial position when they retire. Oh, no, I, absolutely. Um, I'm not going to, you know, give up my employer here, but my nine to five, I, I am a 401k manager for a large record keeper. So there are easy 50, 60 401ks that I, I watch over and I view stats and man, we see a contribution rate of like 3% on a lot of these. And we, we call people and like, you're doing good. Congrats. Oh my if, goodness. If, wow. if I mean, it getting P I'm not, I'm sure you have the same issue in the UK and I know across the world as well. Um, actually recently had a uh, fund manager from Australia who I spoke with. Um, Bill, if you watch this, we need to record a podcast episode. Um, but he was talking about the same thing of, you know, if, if you go across the total number of people investing or the total number of people putting money back, it's two to three percent's pretty good. But sometimes, you know, you take out the owners who are investing ridiculous amounts of money and you go to just the, I like wording like this, but the rank and file employees and that number can go down to even less than 1% sometimes. So 10% of your income toward retirement is going to put you so far ahead. I mean, I, I would agree with you. It's it's a great starting point for someone looking to do what we are in the fire community, but 10% for an average person. Yeah. Uh, like if, if, if we can just get people thinking about putting an extra 1% per year or, or just increasing that every year with every uh, pay increase, well, then it makes a massive difference. But, you know, over here, I'm thinking 10% as a starting point for most people. And I do appreciate that, you know, a lot of your audience in, in, in the state side, they're going to 3% is, oh, I'm doing fine. Well, it's for me and you to challenge them and say, are you really? <laughs> <laughs> Respectfully. Oh, no, absolutely. And I, I think that's what, I mean, what led a lot of us here. Yeah. A lot of us think, I mean, because... I was talking to somebody might have actually been my sister recently about normal like what at least here in the US that you look at nor you google your average 401k contribution your average investment your average net worth mm -hmm. I I hate to say this I really do but normal kind of sucks yeah average sucks too <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you want to do great things you can't be average and if you want to do great things you will never be normal and even just average average is is average um if you're doing you can either be better than average you can be worse than average and most people would consider themselves in most things better than average but statistically speaking you may not be sorry just want to hold a tangent there <laughs> no, no 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 that's that's absolutely what, what i want this to be we are we are very much not on script so, okay good. so it, if you if you want a tangent go for it <laughs> <laughs> no, we're fine. We're fine. <laughs> Rolling it back in, I guess. So, founder, what you know, yes. your blog, you do coaching as well, correct? Yeah. So, um, I started the website in June of last year. Um, I come from a digital background, as I mentioned earlier on. So, I know a little bit about, you know, digital marketing. I know a little bit about web development. And I know how long it takes to establish a site like ours, especially because, you know, we, we work in quite a very robust uh, market. You know, there's lots of big players. So we compete against the financial institutions. And all we're trying to do is target and educate people in a manner that, you know, they, they want to do so, to be informed of. So I started the website last June and this year I went public with it in January, just after uh, I left the business. And for me, there's really no intention for me to make money with the website. I want to 
help people understand money better across what you know it could be about earning money making money or investing the money or planning to retire early um but yes courses are going to be a part of that i have a youtube channel as part of that i have um a lot of podcast interviews like this that i'm doing um and really it's just making sure that i can reach as broad an audience as possible um the courses are separate to the website and they're quite extensive. We were just chatting prior to this. I, I've spent quite a bit of time working on a course outline. I want to make sure that it's comprehensive, but doesn't push you know personal finance topics down to people's throat. It has to be accessible for everyone. Um, and I'll probably launch those in June, which will be a budgeting course, and then one in September, which will be an investing course. Um, I'm still trying to to. Uh, walk that tightrope of talking about investing without talking about investing so um, I'm, I'm not really sure how to do that yet so that one's on the long finger anyway we, we might this might be cut but I do want to ask because talking about investing and not talking about investing in the US is not hard like I mean I can say invest in the S&P 500 and that's fine but as soon as I say invest in SPY SPDR S&P 500 trust ETF then it's investment advice. But I can mention like an index or maybe check out Vanguard. They have high growth funds. You know, that's not investment advice. Are the rules similar in the UK or are they stricter? I think they're pretty much identical in that sense. You know, um, generally speaking, that you can't give direct investment advice. Um, I have always just steered very clear of it because of that. I just don't want to fall foul of any rules because I imagine that the penalties um, are quite high for doing so. And this is meant to be a site where people can come and get good, honest and objective advice um, without me having to, to worry about what I say. So I steer clear of it so far, but I will bring that in over the summer and towards the end of the year. Yeah, definitely just a curiosity point. Um, so I love what you said, you know, founder is not a way for you to make money. Um, so coming from an entrepreneurial background, let me say as, as a fellow financial influencer, I don't know, I don't, what, what would you, let's start you. What would you call us? Oh shit. Um, <laughs> <what>? <laughs> um, I type stuff on the internet. That's kind of, <laughs> and I, that's kind of the limit of what, how I perceive myself. Um, I don't know. Just, uh, I, I write about money generally speaking. Yeah, that's probably, I, I talk about money. Um, it's, it's, I talk about money, but I don't talk about my money. Um, yeah, I just talk about money. That's probably the best way of describing it. I had to ask because I, 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 the term influencer goes around, the internet finance guru. I really don't like the finance guru one because then you get us into those TikTok investors who are like, just buy and trade stocks. Quit your job. It's easy. Yeah, I want to have the confidence <laughs> of some of those TikTok entrepreneurs. Honestly, like, uh, I, I look at them and think they're billionaires the way they live and get on but I, I know the reality for a lot of them so sadly they're not <laughs> i think uh, you posted a tweet about that a little while back and i'm pretty sure i responded i mean it's i mean i'll i'll start calling him out by name and let me tell you i'm, <laughs> I'm getting very close to that point with curtis ray uh, some a lot I, of them are shilling garbage of course they are of course they are and, and they're doing it in a manner that attracts more of the same so somebody else sees them and thinks that they're successful and how they're successful is selling courses and telling people how to do exactly what they're doing and then it just it's a perpetual cycle of shit and honestly that's not how i do business i i do good business i think i do good business um I like to think that the biz people can trust what I say um, and certainly whenever I'm giving advice because it doesn't come from somewhere where I'm trying to make money 
I'm trying to give the most objective advice possible, or not really advice, because that's I don't give it. I don't give financial advice, um, but you know, information. Actually, wow, this this came full circle a lot better than I thought it would. <laughs> I thought we were tangenting pretty hard, but no, that's actually exactly where I, I was going with. It. I mean, again, this is another we can cut this. If you prefer? Do you are you releasing your courses for free? Am I uh, to be confirmed? So not right. sure. So um, the, what I'll probably do is list them for free first, or I was thinking of doing a paid forward. So somebody okay. can pay for a course for somebody who is disadvantaged, financially disadvantaged. Um, they had not no idea at the minute. All right. Yeah. I mean, I'm working. I we talked in the before we hit record. I'm working on a few things myself. Definitely, probably a course and a couple other things. And in relation to the TikTok investors and. You know, investors um this is not a video podcast so that those air quotes were lost um, <laughs> i told them it's fine <laughs> um but uh what i was gonna say is so in relation to them i mean i watch a day trader who then like yeah i'm a multi-millionaire day trader buy my course 500 dollars, and mm -hmm. my mind always goes if you're so rich why do you need to sell a 500 course yeah you're well, making actually so much money day trading I have a point on this. So um, at the minute, my inbox is filled with people who want to have a coffee because, you know, I, thankfully I've done okay for myself. A lot of people in my last business know me through business. So they respect the advice that I might be able to give them, but some people just want to have a coffee. And while I have all the free time in the world, my time isn't free. And that's the way I put a slant on that course. If somebody's selling that course, they've put a lot of effort and focus into selling that or setting that course and creating that course. It's the same with all our content. We put days and decades into building the brands that we're working on. And as the entrepreneur side of me says, I should get paid for that. Whereas on the other side, a lot, everything that I put on my website is free, free of charge. I did try ads last week and I took them straight back off again because I hated it. Um, I just didn't like how it made my site look. So I removed them off entirely and that would have just paid for the hosting. Um, in fact, they probably wouldn't have even paid for the hosting and it was just ruining how the site looked. But the courses, um, I've spent 45 or 50 hours already working on the course outline. I haven't even hit record on a video yet. So the investment that I'm putting in that may be three four hundred hours for a course that covers six hours for somebody should there be a charge for that and the other side of that is if you don't charge somebody for something do they really value it because how many meetings have you went to and somebody didn't turn up because you were doing it for free even on these podcast recordings i'm probably ghosted at least once a month yeah, I had five meetings last Wednesday. I only do meetings on a Wednesday night. So I had five meetings scheduled last Wednesday for people who just wanted a, a little bit of advice and three didn't turn up because I wasn't charging for that. So I may charge for the courses so that there's a value attributed to it. You know, I actually have a page on my website about coaching and anytime somebody sends a message through it, they are prompted saying that there is a charge involved in this. I never charge them but it puts a value on it so that they see that, oh, that time is worth something. And so it just, it, it gets rid of the tire kickers and the people who really want your advice and, and want to help with themselves, you can then weed them out very, or support them easier. 100% agree. I, I, I should have clarified better because I absolutely 100% agree. Your time is valuable. The time you put in this is valuable. And even if you put $5 into a course, you mm -hmm. got that sunken cost fallacy. I guess 
specifically what I'm saying irks me about like the TikTok day traders and everything was yeah. the you're not walking around flaunting I make so much money day trading or I make so much money doing this where no. so yeah and that that's the difference for me I don't for me when I look at them you can't look at me and say I made ten thousand dollars last week day trading now give me 500 more yeah that's yeah, that, th that's where I draw the line personally yeah. like if, if you're going to provide a service on a course that helps somebody and gives them value or helps them save time you know everything that I would put into a course people can find online and they can find it online but it would take them 13 years whereas if I put that into a course that they can truncate that into six or seven or eight hours of their time of self-directed learning well there should be a value attributed to that so I may or may not charge for the course. I actually don't know yet. And if I do, um, I've always, one of the things that I want to do is to buy a forest. Oh, really? Yeah, I want a, a, a space where people can go to. So it's all because I had a printing company, you know, and we used a lot of paper, whereas that is the, the, the reverse of that. It's putting back into some land. So I may do something like that with the proceeds of it. But for me, it, otherwise, I'd be spent on holidays, to be honest. <laughs> you and I really need to talk more. Because um, you keep saying stuff, and I'm like, oh, God. this Because I, I, I can pull it up, or eh, maybe we don't really have the time. But can we talk about my online financial coaching? Yeah. Digital agency pushing toward retirement, or excuse me, digital agency pushing toward exiting an early retirement. Mm-hmm. I announced in my first video this year that I'm working on a charity series that I'm hoping to buy a couple acres of cheap land and basically just be a forest as a bit of a nature preservation. I haven't delved further into that yet. I really want to, and I've got some ideas for it, but I'm like, yeah, wow, that's, you start, and I've never, I haven't even told my wife that yet. Um, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so look, it's probably for the same reason, you know, it's, well, in Ireland where we are, um, there are so few forests. Um, I think it's 8% of the country is forest-free land. Um, and also, you know, where do you have to go that is without expectation of charge? A library is one, there's nothing outdoors. And so if you can create a space where people can go to, and and this is actually inspired by a friend of mine who owns 20 odd acres of forestry land. Um, and really it's just that people can go and, and spend time in the outdoors and nature without having to worry about cost. I mean, yeah, we really need to talk more. Let's do it. Let's do it. Because <laughs> uh, I'm like, okay, so I looked it up. 33.2% of the U.S. is covered by forest, which is, that, that's got to be mostly like flyover states. Uh, I, for me, it came from, I, I live in a suburban-ish area. We're definitely not a major town, but like you said, free green area is few and far between. Yeah. And it, it can be for whatever reason you want it to. If you want to go and spend time in nature, fantastic. If you want to go and spend time learning new skills, fantastic. Let's do that. Um, so uh, the idea, very much like yourself, the idea hasn't been explored fully, but with a bit of land, you can do anything, I guess. Well, that to uh, everyone who tweets, get rich and get off the grid. Um, <laughs> Love it. So I, I guess, you know, even totally switching topic on you here. One, one thing we have touched on that I do want to talk about we're even doing this whole online personal finance thing a little differently um I outsource more than you do yeah. and I I've got to know do you have the same 24 hours that I do or because I mean I know you edit all of your videos you write all of your posts I don't know how you do it I really don't <laughs> 
Yeah, do you remember I mentioned the ADR weeks? <laughs> I uh, I kind of go all in on everything. Um, but yeah, so I write all my own posts. I do all my own graphic work. I do my own videos. Um, same with editing. And then I take the interviews. Now, um, yeah, it's probably about 30 hours a week here and there of time. Um, but I have systems, you know, I, I had an agency, so I obviously know what what systems work and how to, and I just don't know how to use them. I taught myself how to use all the programs. Um, my company is was huge in lean manufacturing and lean processes. So whenever I do something, I, I batch a project. So if I'm doing my social posts for this week, well, it's social posts for the next 20 days. I'll record all my videos at one time and I'll edit them at one time. But yeah, somebody mentioned that, that it was quite prolific with the amount of work that I put out, and I quite like that. I, I think that's that's about right. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that maybe that's what I'm doing wrong is uh, batching. Actually, real quick, I'd like to even just for my own benefit dive into that yeah. a little bit. So you mentioned well, different... apologies. Go ahead. I'm sorry. See, so, you know, you mentioned you only take meetings on Wednesdays. So what do you just block out like a X number of hours of time and just create or? Ha- how does yeah, it work? Exactly that. Well, like for example, today I have a meeting at 10. I have this meeting at lunchtime. I have one at half three and I have another at half seven this evening. That is my day of meetings um, done. Whenever I'm writing content, I'll do all my keyword research. At one time, I'll then start on an article and I'll block out all the headers and all the, the stuff that I want to talk about. Instead of me writing that article, I'll fire up the mic and I'll go into Google Docs and I'll dictate as much of it as I can. Hmm. I thought um, about that. I like that though. And what, what you do is you just do a very rough first draft. But if you've got your headers there, your H2 tags um, for your article written out, well then it's very easy for you and I or anyone to to talk for two or three sentences. Beyond that, it gets a bit harder, um, especially when you're trying to have a, a cohesive message throughout the entire article. But if you just draft first draft like that and then bring it back into Google Docs, we well, can edit it anywhere. So I have with me at pretty much at all times a Apple USB or uh, Bluetooth keyboard so that I can edit on my phone and I do that and if I'm sitting waiting for something instead of picking up a book or you know listening to the radio I'll uh, pop out the keyboard and and finish off the article I mean hey if it works it, I, yeah. I'm gonna I mean because I, I work my nine to five 40 hours a week 45 when you include lunch breaks yeah I can tell you, by the time I've record written and recorded a YouTube video maybe a short or two I do edit my own shorts, um, edit these podcasts, book people on these podcasts. I'm like, man, it's time to go to bed. Well, there is the, I, I, there is a difference that I have no job. You got you got me on that one, yeah. You I, know, I have, I have those 40 hours a week plus commute time that, that are all mine. And to be honest, I, I, I go to the gym every morning at about half eight and I have a gym at home. Um, I go to the gym every morning at about half eight. I finish there about 10, so I don't start to 10. And I'll do a few hours over the day and then I'll also do a bit more in the evening sometimes, but very little. Um, the only thing is that we've just come out of winter as well here. So it's easier to sit in and do things at home, work on the site during the winter. Whereas when the summer months come, I'll probably spend a lot more time away from a computer. Yeah, yeah. You got me on those those free 40 hours. I can't, yeah. can't fight you on that one. <laughs> but... Do you want to add, because I know I get comments about this a lot on Twitter or even emails here and there. No nine to five hate. Not at all. If that's your wealth building, totally valid. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like here, most the majority of people will get wealthy through their nine to five, and there's no, there's absolutely no hate for that. You don't have to be an entrepreneur to be wealthy. Do I believe that entrepreneurship is one of the quickest ways to achieving wealth? Yes, but it's not the there's not one path for everybody. I'm also gonna say uh, it's it's. A riskier endeavor in my experience. I, I will say I, I've had a few uh, preneurs, I'm going to wear that, that uh, mm-hmm. I've lost decent chunks of change on. But I mean, if you're will- I, I agree though wholeheartedly, it's high risk, high reward. If you're willing to take on the risk, and I say this also as an aspiring entrepreneur who hopes to hopefully within the next year, year and a half, maybe quit my nine to five, the money's there and it, it's truly uncapped. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's a great point. Um, there's always more money to make if you go out looking for, looking for it. Um, the entrepreneurs that I know all think like that. And that's a really, you know, getting into that mindset. It's not just, you're not just limited by what you're paid in your nine to five. You can start things low risk outside of work. You can start a side hustle oh, yeah. if you wish. And, you know, why not? Um, but for some people, they are happy with what they earn. They're happy with what they're putting away for their pension. And they know that over a longer period of time that that will contribute to a retirement pot. So if that's what you want to do, fantastic. I don't imagine there's too many people listening to your podcast who think like that. Um, but, you know, if you if you want to, the other side of that is I nearly went out of business in six weeks in 2009. I overtraded, I oversold and all my suppliers were looking for payment and I hadn't received any payment at that point. So I understand, you know, it's not all, it's, and that's, that's probably the only time in my life I've ever been in, in and I'll do the air quotes as well, <laughs> in, in debt to people. And after that, we asked for payment up front and that was still a process all the way through until I left because, well, you don't get paid until the money's in the bank. A seal isn't a seal until the money's in the bank. I, yeah, I, I'll admit, I've, I've run into that a few times myself. Even recently come, invoices go out the first of the month, come the 15th, it's, uh, you got to hunt down who hadn't paid you yet. Yeah, for sure. And the, the, your finances and your P&L and the debtors, there the, that's where you need to spend your time and focus. It's not all just business development. It's making sure that you're getting paid. It's uh, arguably one of the most important parts. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So I guess, you know, we've been talking for a little bit. So start, start more in the, the wind down questions. Okay. I've been dying to ask this one for a while now. Before we even schedule this interview, how are you the Coca-Cola polar bear? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, my career has been marketing. And I started off in marketing when, after university and I worked for the Coca-Cola events team. I'm not sure if you have an equivalent there in America, um, but it, the Coca-Cola events team are the people who work for Coca-Cola who go out and go to events and they you know, they do sampling on the, or they run the Coca-Cola events, golf days and stuff like that. And I started that uh, in university and continued afterwards as a part-time job. It was the best job in the absolute world. Um, However, there were two parts of that job that nobody liked. And one of them was at Christmas time, whenever you had to dress up as the polar bear to go and do the Santa's grotto type things. And on occasion, I drew the short straw and that was me. The other thing that people didn't like was the tour of the Coca-Cola factory, but that was year round. So that's how I was the polar bear. When I, when I first met my wife, um, she was the dinosaur for a local credit union. And that's exactly <laughs> how she described it too. She was the shortest one. So she was the only one who fit in the suit. 
and everybody hated it. Yeah, well, the opposite, it was the tallest. <laughs> so it was only the very tall guys who uh, were able to get into the suit, and yeah. I, uh, so. I'd, a I'd ask you how tall you are, but I'm sure you're going to give me centimeters, and like any oh, good... No. I'll say, like any good American, I don't know what that means. Yeah, six feet. <laughs> six feet. <laughs> what is it, 182 centimeters, something like that? No, I work in feet as well, so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so then, I, again, continuing on the wind down, you're fired now. Fired yes. back in December. You're four, eh, three, four months into it, going on four. It's, it's March 22nd. This is probably coming out sometime, give or take, first, second week of April. So, yeah, pretty quick turnaround. Um what, so what is what does the future of fire look like like what not as an industry but for connor specifically yeah um more of the same um i've what was it 12 weeks 13 weeks in now i've been away traveling for six of those weeks um skiing and sunshine i will play a bit of golf my wife my dad my daughter my mother we all play golf so there'll be a lot of that this summer and then I plan to move to Spain for uh, just under seven weeks in the summer months as well so I do an awful lot of traveling and I was a digital nomad before digital nomads were a thing um, <laughs> so whenever the pandemic came we had all everything set up because I'd already done all that good stuff um, so I'll probably do a lot more travel as well but you know my, my focus right now is I, I for anybody listening is to reprioritize and probably slow down um working quite intensely for or intensively for the last 13 years it it's just trying to decompress a little bit and realize that everything doesn't have to happen now so i actually took yesterday or monday off completely i didn't work on my site i didn't tweet i don't think i didn't do anything if there was a tweet went out it was scheduled ages ago um just take things a bit slower and that's probably the one bit of advice that i would give myself 10 years back is take it a little bit slower than you did because you'll still reach the destination um you don't have to put yourself under so much pressure to do so and i think that's phenomenal life advice that a lot of upstart entrepreneurs need to hear because uh, i mean e even again I'll, I'll admit i work my 40 45 thankfully i don't have to commute but then i come home and probably work another 30 40 more during the week when weekend easily <laughs> yeah um i I'm not even working like a tech startup or anything. I'm not doing any kind of programming. I'm not talking to investors. I can see how it spirals and it spirals fast. Yeah, like it's like the Dave Ramsey quote. I'm going to misquote him, so apologies. <laughs> it's live like no one else now so you can live like no one else later. And it's the exact same mindset for money and business. Um, you know, very few people want to put the effort in. And uh, not to say that people are lazy, but people are less focused or driven than others and if you put the effort in you will see the results in business and so you can front note that or you can take a bit longer as well hey nothing wrong with it nope. and then a couple couple other things uh one of which we've talked about before and then another i want to i gotta ask about so looking into fire future i mean fired at 40 got, got a lot of life left to live mm -hmm. so ski instructor huh <laughs> yeah probably not <laughs> oh really i am not good enough to be a ski instructor it's probably i'd have to do an awful lot more skiing first but it was always an ambition of mine that that could be my retirement job and really just enjoying being on the mountains but my uh, my daughter's only seven so she's still in school here we don't live close to the mountains so we, it'll be a few years from now anyway if it even happens well 
I guarantee, if nothing else, you've got me beat. Um, I'm not sure how well you know U.S. geography, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm from south- the southern tip of Alabama. Then I moved to Florida, South Florida, man, it's in Central Florida, really. I've never actually seen snow in my life. Oh wow! So uh, <laughs> my wife's from Chicago, so she loves to tell me all about it. So uh, if I ever ski, I know who I'm giving a call to. Yeah, for sure. I'd be delighted to <laughs> go ahead and go with you. <laughs> we'll, we'll schedule another Wednesday Zoom so you can just watch me and tell me what I'm doing wrong. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, absolutely no problem at all. <laughs> and then another thing I want to ask you about: so music producing. Yeah. I see the, the piano in the background there, or the keyboard in the background. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, um, I started college as a saxophone performance major. Oh. And um, then one day I got very angry at my saxophone professor and decided to change my major. Next building over happened to be the College of Business. Then three years later, I had a degree in finance. Oh, very good. Great story. It, if it had been the engineering building, I'd probably be an engineer right now. <laughs> very good it just worked out that's brilliant and did you enjoy the business side of things i loved it um because i i I say angry at my professor he and i actually got along really well what it really came down to more so was he sat down and had a very real talk with me about career opportunities and how much i'd be expected to make and i'm like oh this ain't it yeah yeah there's not as much money in music unless you're you know international performer i believe so yeah um so yeah i guess the music production yeah, you, uh, I, do, do I you like make techno. music or? I do badly. Um, I like techno. I like house music. Um, I was a DJ for a long, 16 years actually. I was a DJ and played in clubs, played different places. Um, and I just enjoy music. I really love dance music. Um, it's just a hobby and I'm not very good, but I enjoy punching a few keys and making music come out on the other side. What I think is, you know, it's noise on the other side anyway. Hey, I mean, that, that's perk, perk of fire, though. I mean, you, you have yeah. time to explore that now. And yeah, and I'm teaching my daughter music production. You know, we're, we're, we're enjoying making it together and she likes to sing into the microphone and she likes the songs that we make and it's just spending time doing things that both of us enjoy. That's that's it. I mean, that that's the goal. You, you've mm-hmm. mentioned that a few times, but I mean, that's work is great. Quote. Uh, well, Melena Regos, who was on, I think, like first 10 episodes of the podcast. Work is great. Work definitely has its purpose, but it's not everything. I mean, nothing. You can't put a price on that kind of quality time. Oh, that's it. And, you know, I don't know about your parents, but mine wouldn't have the first idea about music production. Maybe, you know, some parents are musically minded, but I'm getting to teach my daughter things that I never knew until I was an adult. So it's giving her different experiences and learnings that, you know, she'll be able to take with her for the rest of her life and if it's something she likes well she can build upon it herself hey great do expose them give, give them that career opportunity can for we sure. find can we find you on spotify no i haven't released anything Sound, soundcloud then right uh no not even no I, there's there's nothing out there oh maybe there is maybe that i did you know what if you find something <laughs> if you find something i will be highly embarrassed about it but no to be honest like there yeah he, I don't know. I have to go and Google myself. I don't, haven't done that for a while. <laughs> All right. Well, then we'll we'll say Connor founder mixtape dropping soon. How about that? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, go over to his Twitter, pester him for that. For sure. Don't, don't actually do that. It kind of ruins what we're going, <laughs> the message we're going for here in sidetracks. So uh, I guess, you know, then outside of just fire, music production, skiing, what's what's next for Connor? 
to be honest, this year is just decompressing. This it's just taking time and figuring out what's next. So I have no plans. I'm working on the website. I am working on the courses as we discussed. I'm working on my YouTube as well. So I'm not naturally somebody who likes to be in front of the camera, um, but I've made a point of putting myself in front of the camera and every article that I write, I am reproducing as a video and using that as something to, you know, give myself something else to learn and to develop a talent to develop because it's easy to direct the camera. It's not just as easy to uh, be on the other side of it. Um, it's, it's a very niche skill and most people can't do it. You know, it's like public speaking. As soon as you put a camera in front of somebody, they, they seize up, they have that fear. And so I wanted to make sure that I can get rid of it. So I, I do all of this. Hey, it's, it's a skill to learn. So then we, we mentioned your site, your YouTube, all that. If any of our listeners want to connect with you online, where can they find you? Yeah, the, primarily they can get me at Foundered, which is F-O-U-N-B-E-R-E-D.co.uk. Um, I'm Connor Foundered, Connor with two N's, Connor Foundered on Twitter and Foundered Money on YouTube. So at Foundered Money. And I will make sure to link all of that in the show notes. Um, of course, if you're listening to this on YouTube, it's down in the video description. Joseph, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, of course. And Connor, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for your time. It has been a pleasure and I will definitely connect again with you. Well, in about five minutes probably on Twitter, but I really, <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate uh, you allowing me to come on and to share this message and, and my own story. So I do thank you so much. Hey, you're welcome and really appreciate what you do. And uh, for everybody listening, really appreciate you as well. And stay tuned. Uh, we'll see you all next week. Thanks. Bye-bye.